Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, April 15, 2016. Today, we are reading from the big book, Chapter 4, and we are on page 53, paragraph 2. Today's readers are Jane B., Larry K., and Nancy H. The reference number for yesterday, Thursday, April 14th, is 8653. That's 8653. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Marita S.O. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Katie. This is Marita S.O. from Virginia. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol. Actually, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Marita. I will now ask Martha D. to read the 12 Traditions. This is Martha D., a grateful recovering compulsive overeater in Pennsylvania. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, 
The only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Martha. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 53, paragraph two. I will ask Jane B. to begin reading, and she's gonna read two paragraphs, the first paragraph for context and the second one for comments. Thank you. Thank you, can you hear me? I can. Thank you, this is Jane B., a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. When we became alcoholics, crushed by a self-imposed crisis we could not postpone or evade, we had to fearlessly face the proposition that either God is everything or else he is nothing. God either is or he isn't. What was our choice to be? Arrived at this point, we were squarely confronted with the question of faith. We couldn't duck the issue. Some of us had already walked far over the bridge of reason toward the desired shore of faith. The outlines and the promise of the new land had brought luster to tired eyes and fresh courage to flagging spirits. Friendly hands had stretched out in welcome. We were grateful that reason had brought us so far, but somehow we couldn't quite step ashore. Perhaps we had been leaning too heavily on reason that last mile, 
and we did not like to lose our support. Well, I would like to just share that when I came to this program, I believed that my brain could get me out of anything. And I remember that reason was my method and food was my answer. And if you're on this line, I think you know what that looks like. Uh, It was a nightmare. The second thing I wanted to share is that I love this image. It is such a beautiful visual of what recovery can look like and feel like to me. Um, And it's ironic to me that when I first started listening to Vision, we were on this paragraph. And I have to tell you guys that you truly have helped me step off that bridge of reason. And the image of the friendly hands stretching out is a good description to me of what vision has been in my life. So I'm so grateful I've stepped off that bridge. Um, Whenever I'm struggling, I think about half measures availed me nothing in Chapter 5. And my reason is less than a half measure. I've learned that now. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Jane. Okay, who would like to share on this second paragraph she read? Rachel W. Tina H. Tina S. Okay. Nancy H. Okay. Melissa C. Okay. Okay, that's five people. And uh, so we'll have Rachel W., Amy H., Tina S., Nancy H., and Melissa C. And if I could just say, um, you know, when I first started listening to this meeting, I thought that if I had, you know, my phone had its own mute button, that that sufficed to be muted while I was waiting in line or, you know, I wanted to jump on. And that is not what we mean. You have to press star one, otherwise... There's something in the uh, technology that makes a lot of, it just doesn't make for a smooth recording. So if everyone could please stay absolutely muted until it's your turn. Thank you. Rachel W. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service. This is Rachel W. Recovered Compulsive Overeater calling from New York. Um, And this paragraph is is really so beautiful. And I love the ocean. I love water. And, um, you know, the the analogy of drowning, really, in this disease, and then suddenly, you know, seeing hope looming on the horizon, it's really, it's so so accurate. And um, a couple things I took out of this when we read it here is um, that we, we walked far over the bridge of reason toward the desired shore of faith. And, you know, to me, this is telling me that um, we can all, you know, we, all of us can enter that, that island of hope, you know, um, in different places, you know, that it's telling me it's, it's, it's another reminder to me that it's the desired shore. It's the place that I can feel like, you know, I can, I'm, I'm developing here my own faith. It's so important for this program to be a personal program. And I can't give anyone my, exper- my spiritual experience. It's each one of us, you know, we, we find that place and it's, um, it's speaking to that there. And, and also the idea that friendly hands are stretching out and welcome, you know, the idea, this is telling me 
to me, it's speaking to the idea that I just, I just can't do this alone. You know, even coming to that faith and becoming willing. Um, and, and what's so important here also that, that, you know, what, what we're really doing and what the book is really telling me here is it's laying out the foundation to do the steps, you know, that, that I, I can find that shore of faith, the one that speaks to me, um, the one that, you know, it doesn't even have to be a full belief in God yet. You know, it, it, it could be just a belief that there's something else. You know, faith can come later on. Perhaps faith will come even larger, right, when, when I'm in my step 10 more. But here I'm just being told, you know, just that faith, faith itself is just a question of just, you know, having faith that there is something else. Um, it's a personal experience. I I can, and it, it's also faith that works so that I can become willing in step three to give my will and my life over to the care of, of my higher power. And then in step four, when, you know, push comes to shove, that, that higher power base to be large enough to hold all the stuff that I need to give over to God. And, and also, again, the idea that we don't do this alone, that when I, that I can have hope, not only because this of this personal experience to have with the desired faith of my own, with the God of my own understanding, but also I can have hope because I know I'm not doing this alone, that whatever arena of the steps I'm in at the time, um, I won't be alone. So thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you, Rachel. Amy H., you're up. Good morning, Amy H. in Ohio. Thank you for your service. Um, Whenever I, I... We've been on the agnostics for a while, and just Bill is trying six ways from Sunday to try to get uh, the sick and suffering alcoholic, and with us, sick and suffering compulsive overeater by extension, to lay down prejudice and resistance and be willing. Just be willing. And um, I just think this chapter is brilliantly written. I really admire and appreciate how he lays out his argument and how thorough the argument is because this is the big sticking point. I have a friend of mine who uh, I was on the phone with him for about an hour and a half uh, earlier this week. He is a sick and suffering alcoholic, and he is finally willing to talk to me about AA. And uh, he's got neurological damage. Uh, he's, he can't walk. He can hardly speak. It was difficult to understand him over the phone line. And when I tell him about AA, he's like, there's no way I'm going to an AA meeting. Uh, They talk about God. And I was explaining my experience, strength, and hope. And and he said, but you've always been religious. You know, you come from a religious background. So it was, it's, there's so much resistance to hearing this message. And I, I appreciate the the fuel and the armor that Bill gives us in our um, 12-step approach in talking about spirituality and talking about the nature of this program, that it is your own concept of a higher power, and that there are, uh, as this paragraph is talking about, we exhibit faith in so many other ways, and um, and to just be willing to apply that faith in science, for example, and that faith in humankind to to something, the, the, the energy that pervades this group, to at least even try that. It's the willingness that's the key with steps two and three. Willingness is the key. And um, uh, I'm so grateful for the willingness that I had. It was that little 
uh, a moment of desperation and a window of opportunity that opened, and thank God I jumped through. Um, with that, I pass. Thank you, Amy. Tina S., you're up. Thanks, Katie. Tina S., compulsive reader, anorexic in Florida, uh, arrived at this point. You know, the paragraph before is, you know, I was defeated by this time, you know, by the time I arrived here. And I had to make a choice. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I know today that it was not easy. And, uh, you know, because I continue to come in here and, you know, I love the, the way that someone also shared this, that the visual that I get through this paragraph, it, you know, I get chills when I, when I visualize this. And, and, you know, and, and I wanted what you all had, you know, but I didn't know that I could do what you were doing. You know, and uh, one of the things that I kept doing, which was a hindrance to myself, was I, con I continued to compare instead of identify. And I, and I hear people do that today, and it, it makes me very sad. You know, it makes me very sad because, you know, I have been completely transformed, and some days are better than others, and I, and I really want you to have what I have had the opportunity to experience. And it makes me sad when people continue to compare and think that they can't do this. You've got something I don't. And, and that's just not the truth. The only difference is, I have, and it was just shared, I have a willingness to do something different today. I have a willingness to believe in a power. You know, and I had to come to believe in a power greater than myself. The creed me to sanity. And I had to know that I was insane with my thinking and my behaviors that they'd had to do with food and you know, but somehow we couldn't quite step ashore, and, and then, you know, I just, there was no place else to go, and I just hear it over and over, and that's just the truth for me, last house on the block, whatever it is you want to share, and, and with that, I pass. Very grateful. Thanks. Thank you. Good. Thank you so much. Um, Nancy H., your turn. Good morning. I'm Nancy H. from Massachusetts. Can you hear me? Yes, we hear you fine. Thank you. Can you hear me? Hello? Yes, we hear you. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm Nancy H. from Massachusetts, a grateful recovering compulsive overreader. Um, this paragraph talks about what happened to me last October. When I was confronted with the question of faith, I realized I had faith, but I didn't have the trust that was not there. So I became fully aware of my need to surrender to a higher power. And after doing the um, step two proposition and realizing I was acting as though God was nothing, even though I professed he was everything, I realized my own self-will in that voice of reason they talk about is what I lived by. When the rubber met the road, I'm the one who took over. And I asked God for help every morning with my prayers, but the rest of the day I listened to my will, and I was constantly planning the outcomes then my sorrow step one had made me aware that I was powerless over food and over life. But I, I was, it was pointed out to me I needed the death of food and the death of self, which was the ego. And God couldn't work in me because my ego was always in the way. I was losing control, and every time I did that, I redoubled my efforts to, at control because of fear. So I could solve the problem. I thought I could solve the problem faster than God could. Um, I had to trust God with everything, but not you know, just when convenient. And when they mentioned the friendly hands reaching out to them, um, the alcoholics are talking about recovered people who reached out to them. When I came into OA in, in 1976, 40 years ago, 
um, there, there were many friendly hands, but they weren't necessarily recovered. We hadn't come quite that far. So I'm very grateful that I have that now. And um, it was pointed out to me that I needed to expand my connection with a higher power. And I realized that I could only do that from that place deep down inside. And as they say, there was no door number three. I had to stay in reason, and that led to my disease. Or I had to switch over to faith, which would lead me toward recovery. And, you know, in order to have the spiritual awakening, I had to fully concede to my need for a higher power and trust him with the outcomes without my interference. And I have to do the work following big book instructions on each step, and that will give me the complete transformation. I'm well along my way to that. So step two was the, kind of the beginning of my commitment to follow through to step 12, and I'm very grateful to say that I'm doing that. So thank you for listening, and thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you so much, Nancy. And Melissa C., you're up. Hi. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., a recovered compulsive over here in New York. And, um, you know, I, so many things in this paragraph really make me um, identify and chuckle. You know, um, even just the, the word reason, you know, as if, um, you know, as if I really had that ability, you know, it, it's like um, I was clinging to something, this reason, that I no longer even had anymore. You know, there was nothing reasonable about what this disease was doing to me and that I kept getting on that bridge and then going back off, you know, going back to the shore that I knew so well. Um, and, you know, it just makes me think this morning um, how much I really value all the time I went back again to the food because I really learned something. You know, I learned um, complete, utter desperation from this disease and that, um, you know, by the last time I got on that bridge, you know, over two years ago, two and a half years ago when I really um, was suffering at my worst. And and I knew that I had been relying always on my ability to reason and that I, I couldn't think straight anymore. I, I felt like my thinking was really foggy and unreliable. And, and I happily got on the bridge and, and ran full steam ahead because what I heard here um, was the promise of recovery, and it was so evident, you know, when I began to listen, um, there was something, and there is something very different about the energy of this vision for you, like, this is not a joke here, you know, I love my face-to-face meetings, I've been given a lot of wonderful support and love there, but when I started listening here, um, I heard 100% commitment. And that's what I needed. I needed to get off the bridge, to stop hanging out on that bridge and going back and forth and to truly cross over. And, um, you know, and so I'm, I'm, I'm just glad that I struggled so much because by the time I got to this point again, I knew there was nothing reasonable left to hold on to. You know, I knew that faith was actually going to be more reasonable, was going to make more sense. Um, than relying on myself, you know, because relying on myself meant that I was always, always turning to the food. I could never do self 
without the ease and comfort of my food. And um, thank you. I'm just glad I crossed over that I passed. Thank you so much, Melissa C. <clears throat> um, who else would like to share on this paragraph? Reva P. Okay. Anyone else? This is Marie B. I would like to share. Okay, Lisa H. and Marie B. Leah M. Leah M. Okay, Karen let's go L. with those. Karen L. Okay. Marco I breathe Hall. a P. I'm sorry. Margaret W. Margaret W. Okay, let's go with those five. We have, I mean, six. Okay, we have Reva P., Lisa H., Marie B., Leah M., Karen L., and Margaret W. Reva P. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. I didn't really pay much attention to this paragraph when I first came in. It was a bit too flowery for me. Um, so thank you, God. We read the same thing over and over, and it means different things at different points um, in my recovery process. And the thing that strikes me is, as has been shared before me, the great pains that Bill is going through to convince us to be willing to consider a different way to just realize that there might be another way of living and managing um, that's infinitely more peaceful um, and joyful. Um, and that reminds me that you know every step for me propels me to the next step. Um, and thank God I reach bottoms. And thank God um, I surrender and realize I'm hitting a wall because that's what gets me to consider another way. Um, so although it feels like the worst thing in the world when I'm reaching that bottom, it's actually the point of uh, potential for change. And then the thing that struck me the most is I'm relying on reason. My life is a mess. They're telling me about the bedevilments, and it says, I don't know if I really want to cross over because I don't want to lose my support. Like, <laughs> that just shows me how stubborn and closed-minded I can be. And, you know, it, it's now um, on a daily basis, you know, there are things that, you know, I use as support. So what do I see myself and other people relying on? You know, the food plan, that's my support. If I just follow this food plan, I'm going to be okay. Or for me, it's like my schedule. If I just have the schedule of the day and I do this and this and this, then the day is going to go the way I want and I'm going to be okay. And I can add a million things to that list of what I lean on that can replace leaning on a power that's bigger than me. Um, and as long as I'm leaning on something, someone um, other than the true power in my life, my serenity is always going to be proportional to that thing, person, place, working out the way I want it to work out. And I don't even know that I'm doing that. Like this disease is like the only disease that tells you you don't have a disease. And 
I don't realize I'm closed-minded when I am. The only way I know is when I reveal those things by working through the steps. So step two is just the beginning to say maybe I can try something different. But then, as I've shared before, I need to get on with the other work, especially uh, 10, 11, 12 now. Otherwise, I just keep doing the same old things. And you know what? Eventually, the food will just get loud. Um, and... Uh, that will become my solution as opposed to the real solution. Um, with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva. Lisa H., your turn. Good morning. This is Lisa H., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater um, in Tennessee. And I'm like the previous uh, call, uh, person that shared because I don't remember um, going over this paragraph in any detail when I went through this book previously and um, they use the word faith twice Um, you know the word faith means complete trust or confidence and you know prior to OA for me my faith was in myself I had complete trust and confidence in myself that I could do this that I could handle this um, that I could handle this what I thought was my food problem um, by myself. Um, But coming to OA, um, especially listening to A Vision for You, I heard, I mean, I heard another kind of faith. Um, You know, I would have said I grew up as a faithful person, um, but I didn't have, I, I was not willing to put my complete trust in the God of my understanding. And so what I heard on this line was a different kind of faith um, in, in a true um, power that was greater, um, bigger, vaster. Um, the other thing that um, really stood out to me is that a vision for you, for me, showed me, outlined, um, spoke about this promise um, and that's what I that's what I wanted. So again, I had to lay down my old ideas and pick up um, pick up these new ideas, and it gave me fresh courage. I love the word courage because it says it's the ability to do something that frightens me. Um, and so this for me, this whole program, faith and courage, go hand in hand. Um, if I have complete trust in the higher power of my understanding. I'm going to have the courage, A, to put down the food, and then B, to start working these steps. Because, um, and, and each time I take that step in faith and, and courage, you know, the, even the serenity prayer says the courage to change because that's really what it's all about is having to change, having to change our, our ways of living. Um, so I just have to say I appreciate um, everyone on a vision who has shared and outlined that promise of this new land. Um, and now I am, I have been uh, receptive of this or recipient of this, um, this fresh courage and these, these new eyes. Um, and I'm so grateful for the, for the friendly hands that stretched out and welcome with that. I pass.
Thank you so much. And now we will have, I'm sorry, Marie B. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for your service and for all the shares already. Uh, my last initial is V, as in Victor. The part that stood out to me is the second paragraph, you know, uh, where it talks about uh, that uh, the outlines on the promise of the new land had brought luster to tired eyes and fresh courage to flagging spirits. I was so beaten up, so mangled by the time I got to this program. I was I was exhausted. I was in agony. I was miserable. I was so sick and tired of my life the way it was. And when I got to the program, to my first meeting, the friendly hands that were stretched out to me and welcome, they were the ones that helped me make, take that final step across the shore. And that's what still, still keeps me coming back. Yes, I have faith today. Yes, I have a power greater than myself today, and I trust that power, and that power has given me the gift of recovery a day at a time. But it is still the loving hands of the fellowship that welcome. I walk into a meeting, people know me, and they accept me for who I am. They don't want me to be any, they don't expect me to be anything more than what I am. They know that I'm a composer eater. They accept me and my, my problems, you know. They accept me with my shortcomings and defective character. And in spite of them, they love me. And we are here to do the same thing for that new person that's walking in in the same state that we were. This is where we get our love, our care, and our courage to do something different because we are pretty badly mangled by the time we get to this program. Thank you for allowing me to share, and I pass. Thank you, Marie V. And Leah M., it's your turn. Then Karen L. Thank you so much. Uh, perhaps we had been leaning too heavily on reason that last mile, and we did not like to lose our support. You know, the title of this chapter, Chapter 4, is We Agnostics, We Without Knowledge. And, you know, I had no knowledge of this realm. You know, I just was brought up in a very secular environment, uh, one built on, you know, self-sufficiency and intellect, uh, that's all I knew. That's all I had really been exposed to. Um, so, you know, when when uh, arrived at this point, we were squarely confronted with the question of faith. Uh, I had no development in there, that area whatsoever. Um, but the bottom line was I had been crushed, you know, licked, overwhelmed, and overmatched by this disease of mine. Um and, you know, it was certainly true that I was the biggest obstacle to a better life. My thinking was the greatest obstacle. My core belief systems, the way I viewed the world, um, had crippled and deteriorated and altered my personality for the worst and certainly had given my emotions some violent twists. Uh, you know, things were not looking good for me. 
And if you're like me, and I don't know if you are, but if you're like me, your greatest obstacle to your recovery will be your own thinking and your own judgment and your own reason. Doing what you think is best for you is what got you here. That was so true for me. And how sinister it would be, you know, if if uh, these fellows who wrote this text, you know, turned over uh, your prescription for your recovery to your own judgment, the same judgment that got you and me here, uh, you know, the judgment that I exercised all my life got me to a place of tremendous suffering and pain, tremendous suffering and pain. Um, However, you know, on the shore here were people in whom the problem had been solved and they were carrying a message of depth and weight because they had suffered like I suffered. They had experienced pain like I had experienced pain. They had cried like I had cried. They had sworn off that they were going to stop like I had sworn off like I had was going to stop. But now their ideals were grounded in a power greater than themselves, which had created their lives. They were no longer living in the pain and suffering. They had a new life. And that, to me, was uh, just exciting and, you know, was, was a message of hope, a message of hope that I could hold out my hand and with that flimsy read, they, uh, and the steps, the steps which had to be taken, obviously, uh, would pull me fully to shore. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Leah M. Karen L., your turn. Yes, hi, this is Karen L. Can I go? Uh, uh, is it yes. my turn? Okay. Yes, go ahead, please. Thank you. Yes, hi. Um, I have a cold, so I'm not going to be very brief. Um, thank you. This I, I love going over these um, paragraphs. In, to me, it's minutiae, but it's great because um, I never really stopped to see that two times that the word reason is capitalized. And, you know, I'd like to ask, you know, the listeners, if anybody knows why that it is capitalized. And because you know, normally if the word is <clears throat> capitalized, I've learned that the um, it means a higher power. And um, so if anybody can shed some light on that, I'd appreciate it. You know, someone did say earlier that reason is is when I'm in my disease, and uh, when I'm you know handling um, everything myself versus God. Uh, I forget exactly. I was wondering what the other thing that person said. But anyways, I'm not going to talk very long on this, um, and I'm going to listen for the rest of the time. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Margaret W. It's your turn. Good morning. This is Margaret W. I just, this will be short, but I heard something the other day that comes to mind when I heard this passage, and it was that um, faith can exist without trust. I mean, we can believe a lot of things and never really put confidence in them. And um, this person said that um, trust is faith in action, and that really helps me with this program. Trust is faith in action. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. And now, Larry Kay, will you please read the next paragraph? Sure, Katie. Happy to do that. Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader. Um, that was natural. 
But let us think a little more uh, closely. Without knowing it, have we not been brought to where we stood by a certain kind of faith? For did we not believe in our own reasoning? Did we not have confidence in our ability to think? What was that but a sort of faith? Yes, we have been faithful, abjectly faithful to the God of reason. So in one way or another, we discovered that faith had been involved all the time. And uh, yeah, faith, faith, some, some form of faith had been involved all the time. I, I had faith in my own reasoning abilities. You know, I, I worshiped at the altar of data, you know, uh, the books I read, the, you know, the different things that I, that I studied. Um, I had faith in my own reasoning. And as it was shared, you know, where did that get me? You know, here's an example. Let me tell you where it got me. <laughs> here's an example of how I use that uh, reasoning ability at times. Sometimes I, I probably would have looked like, boy, you know, he's got his, his stuff together. But here's an example of how I used it. Uh, maybe some of you can relate. Um, you know, I would go into that darkened movie theater. Didn't really matter what movie was playing. I'd get my popcorn and my milk duds and an assortment of other things. You know, I'm by myself. I wouldn't start eating until the lights, you know, went down. And uh, and then I'd, I'd stick my hand in the in the box and and then I'd go go at it uh, because I knew, you know, that um, you know that uh, you know there was. I had faith that once I dug my hands into those milk duds, that you know I would uh, I would be transported to oblivion. You know, that was where my reasoning took me. At some point, this disease beat me into a state of reasonableness. <laughs> There's that word again, reasonable. Yeah, it beat me into a better form of reasoning to where I had to finally admit. I chose to admit. I chose to finally admit that uh, I could not solve this problem with my own reasoning ability, that I would need help. I would need the help of a higher power. It couldn't be me anymore, and it couldn't be the food anymore, because in either case, you know what the outcome would be? I'd be dead. And, you know, um, I, I will tell you that, that, that God seemed to have a different plan. This higher power seemed to have a different plan for me today. My thinking began to change as I began to work the steps. You know, I came to believe. I came to believe. I didn't, I didn't get here believing in a power greater than myself. I got here believing in me. That's it. But, you know, at some point, um, uh, I came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity, and it did, because I saw it in you, and I said, you know what? What the heck? I'm, I'm going to do this thing, and I'm not, gonna rely, I'm not going to focus in on the outcome of what happened. And, yeah, I had fear that nothing would happen. But, you know, something did. Something did. Thank God for this program. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank Charles you, Larry. Charles H. Who else this is like Bella. Can I share? Nessa R. Okay. Okay, so we have Charles H., Bella, G., and Nessa R. Charles, go ahead. Thank you for your service, Charles H. Recovered compulsive over here just for today. And hearing that word, hearing the word reason all the time, remind me of this song where it says, "The reason 
The reason that I binged is because I wanted to, right? And it, I mean, let, let's just keep it 100. I want to binge, and that's why I binge. And, you know, I know today, just in this little small belief in, in a power greater than myself, um, which is definitely not me, that if I feed, if I feed my face, my fear will starve to death. How do I do that? By, by not by reason, by knowing that, that when the book says we, capital W-E, we, they talk about them people that done did it already, that's continually doing it, they're still alive, they're still doing it one day at a time. You know, we use that, we use that phrase so loosely. I'm living in 10, 11, and 12, and sometimes I, I talk to people, they say that loosely, and, 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 you know, and they're like, oh, but I ain't meditating. How you living in 10, 11, and 12 then? I'm just saying, but I believe, right, the we, um, by faith, um, that's what I need to do. And, 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 and um, just imagine life without faith. <laughs> it just wouldn't be life. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Charles. Bella, you're up. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G, and I'm a thankful recover compulsive overeater. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. So did we not believe in our own reasoning? Oh, yes, I did believe in my own reasoning. And everything, special day, food, was with a reason. And bottom line is I have the control. I have the power. And, yes, all the time I had a wonderful reason why to eat, why to go to the food. And it was based on my belief or that, you know, the blaming and judging. Because of you, I went back to the food. And because of you, I am eating. And I find my own reasoning, and I believed in this. And I couldn't understand why my own reason are bringing me again and again to the food. And thank you, God. Thank you, God. I am not there anymore. And today I know that I am powerless. I am powerless only because one reason, because this is the way that God created me. And we are all human. And this is the reason that we are powerless and we are limited and we don't know everything. And this is the reason that we have the opportunity to choose to learn. And today, thank you, God, I am connected to a higher power. And today I am not looking for reason anymore. Today I learn to pause and to say to myself, well, Bella, you don't have the power and you don't have the control the control and to look you know what is the blockage in the way that I am looking for a reason because I know when I am coming to this stage that I am looking for a reason it means that I have a blockage in my connection to the higher power. And thank you God today by leaving the steps I have a reminder you know, 24-7, I am powerless, and I am connected to a higher power that loves me and accepts me, and I have the opportunity to choose one day at a time to learn, to learn new things. 
Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. And Nessa R., you're up. Hi, good morning, vision for you. This is Nessa R., a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Uh, with this paragraph, um, and indeed the whole chapter actually, say to me is that if I keep doing what I'm doing, I keep getting what I'm, uh, what I'm getting. And what I've been doing wasn't working for me. What I was doing got me to almost 200 pounds, and I was miserable and insane. Uh, so for sure it wasn't working for me. I, was wa- I wanted my life to change, but I was waiting for my life to change for my life to change. And when we, when we look at it that way, like, it doesn't make any sense. I was waiting for, you know, my, my, my husband to change, my children to change, for my sister to change, my boss, my coworkers, my house, my job, you know, the traffic, uh, the dog. I was waiting for everything else to change. And, of course, things weren't changing, but the common denominator to all those things was me with me, I wasn't changing, you know, I was actually getting worse, and the worse I got, the worse my life got, so, you know, what, what did I have to lose, you know, like, if I tried this God thing, what did I have to lose, you know, I, I could always drop it at any time, I could say, well, it doesn't work, or I don't like it, or whatever, and then just go back to my misery, um, you know, nothing, um, nothing lost there, and let me tell you, I tried this God thing, and my life changed, but not because my life changed, not because my husband changed or my house or the traffic or anything like that, but because I changed. You know, the way I think changed, the way I view things, my perspective, my attitude, my outlook upon life. Um, you know, the circumstances are the same, but I changed. And, you know, the, the God thing works. What, what did I have to lose? Nothing. What did I have to gain? Everything. And it has been my experience indeed. And with that, I pass and I wish everyone a good weekend. Thank you, Nessa. We have time for two more shares. Lynn S. Lynn S. Okay, go ahead, Lynn. Hi, this is Lynn S. from Toronto, Canada. What's really striking me right now is it says, did we not have confidence in our ability to think? Well, in the last years of my disease and before I came into program, no. I had no confidence at all in my ability to think. And I remember every single decision was a catastrophe, was life-threatening, killed me. I ran from person to person trying to get a solution, trying to get someone else to think it out for me, to come up with an answer. And it was completely devastating and demoralizing and and paralyzing. I was paralyzed with absolute fear. And that's why this opportunity in step two, you know, it didn't have to be explained to me twice that there was a power, the need, that's what I'm trying to say, and and that's what we've been stressing so much here in Step 2, and I've never heard it expressed this way before, that all it's outlining is the need in our lives for a power greater than ourselves, whatever that power might be. I choose to call it God, but I've seen over the years now how, how 
people can use the God thing to be a block in trying to work this incredible program which removes the blocks from us so that we can get in touch with the power inside. So that line just really struck me and reminded me of how frightened, how scared I was, how completely unable to think anything through for myself and that the searching that I had, like it was always somebody please save me, somebody please fix me, somebody please get me out of this, somebody do something for me. Thank you, God, now I'm learning to turn to God as that somebody. With that, I pass. Thank you so much. We have time for one more share. Okay, then I'll jump in. I'm Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. And, you know, I, like so many people have shared, thought that I this chapter did not apply to me because I considered myself a believing person. But, you know, I, um, I did only believe in my own reasoning when it came to the food. Um, and I did have too much confidence in my ability to think. But there was something that was blocking me and stopping me from uh, taking, you know, any drastic measures um, from the pain of this uh, disease. And, you know, if I had not hit the bottom that I hit, then I never would have uh, found recovery. And so um, I have to believe that God uh, is the one who brought me to a place of reasonableness that I could admit that I, I didn't have the answers and I didn't, um, and my problems weren't too small for God to care about. And I did not um, think that, I did not believe that I didn't have the answers. That was, that was what was standing in the way for me. You know, I sat in these rooms for years and I, you know, understand English and I understood what you were saying, but I could not apply it to my life. I could not get myself from uh, stopping the starting. And so, you know, it has to come when I'm willing to say that there might be a different way of doing something. And that what this, that's what this, um, these paragraphs are telling us is that we have to let go of our own ideas and trust that someone else might have a better idea. And, you know, I put a lot of faith in my sponsor, in the people that I talk to. And, yes, I believe in God, but I believe that God works through these other people. And I'm just so grateful that we continue to learn. You know, as so many people have shared this morning, you know, this is not a once-and-done program. We don't read these paragraphs one time and uh, completely grasp them and have them apply to our lives forever and ever. No, this is a continuous process, and whatever's going on in my life, I'm able to apply these things um, in different ways, and I'm just very grateful for that. And with that, I'll pass, and now we've come to the end of our meeting. Um, thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Nancy H. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning again. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. 
God will constantly disclose more to us and to you. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.